0: Hello. Everyone worries about something. How good or bad is it with you? Here on Search for Truth today, your Bible teacher Brian has as his subject title, Addressing Anxiety. Our theme for this series of 12 studies is about going the distance. Previously, Brian's considered discouragement, then how to survive feelings of guilt, and last week it was how to overcome apparent failure in our disciple life. Now, we'll be reading from the Bible book of Exodus and from the book of Revelation, if you want to follow in your Bibles. But here's Brian now to help us tackle anxiety.
1: Thanks, John. You know, often when Christians meet other believers who are coping with anxiety, they quote the verse. And it comes from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, a well-known verse It says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, quoting that is for a couple of reasons. It may be to reassure the believer that God has control no matter what circumstances life throws up. Or it may be to remind the believer to keep their mind on things above rather than earthly worries. And in some cases, it may be done to put an end to a conversation that many Christians can find awkward, especially if they haven't met chronic anxiety before. But the Bible has more to say on the subject of anxiety than a few words from Paul. In this study, we'll look at two great men of God, one in the Old Testament and the other in the New Testament, men who, despite their closeness to God, did experience great anxiety. We trust it will help us to observe how they coped and how they were helped. Our first character study is of Moses. And let's hear from the Bible book of Exodus, chapter 14, and read from verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me. Behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them, and I will be honoured through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, when I am honoured through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was a the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, I just want to pick out one verse again from our reading. It's verse 15 that said this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Okay, let's think about what's happening here. Pharaoh had probably not reacted immediately because the Egyptians were involved in burying and bemoaning their dead and because Moses had repeatedly referred to a three-day journey. Later, realising the Israelites' departure was not temporary, he got together 600 chariots, charioteers and troops and caught up with the Israelites near Pi-Hahiroth. As Pharaoh's charioteers and armed troops approached, fear struck the Israeli encampment. They were trapped between the Red Sea before them and a vicious foe behind them. The reaction of the Israelites here was much the same throughout the book in times of duress and fright. Though they cried out to the Lord, they had no real confidence that he could help. Quickly forgetting the past, they bitterly accused Moses of deceiving them by leading them out into the wilderness to die. Moses, recognising that fear was distorting their memories and arousing their passions against him, sought to reassure them that the Lord would deliver them by fighting for them if they remain firm in confidence. But after boldly encouraging the people, it seems that Moses himself needed to pray for support. Even alongside confidence in God's word and faith in a God whom he'd seen do many miracles, Moses still experienced a level of anxiety over what was about to happen. The way God replies to Moses' prayer seems to imply a degree of reproach. Moses himself had become unduly anxious, it would appear. God tells him to speak to the children of Israel that they should go forward. We can understand Moses' anxiety, can we not? They were being pursued from behind, and up ahead of them, right in front of them in fact, was nothing but sea. Moses had called on his people not to be afraid, raising their hopes of seeing God delivering them from this predicament, this really tight corner that they were in. God will fight for us, he reassured them. Godly leaders don't panic, but they do pray. Evidently, Moses had. Immediately after reassuring his people, he had prayed. We're not told the contents of that prayer, but perhaps we can easily guess. There was no margin for error. The pounding hooves were getting closer. The nervousness of the people had transmitted itself to Moses. He needed that further personal reassurance from God and graciously God gave it. Moses had taken his anxiety to the Lord and received an answer of peace. That was all he needed. It's not about knowing what the future holds. It's about knowing who holds the future. Missionary explorer in the 19th century in Africa, David Livingstone prayed like this, God, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me and sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds it to yours. And on the basis of that prayer, his credo in life was, I will go anywhere, provided it be forward. In the Battle of Salamanca, when Wellington told one of his officers to go forward, to advance with his troops, and so occupy a gap that the Duke had perceived in the lines of the French, the General rode up to him and said, My Lord... I will do the work, but first give me a grasp of that conquering right hand of yours. He received a hearty grip and away he rode to that deadly encounter. God spoke to his people previously in the same way. Listen to what he says through the prophet Isaiah. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those words come from Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Did you register the words? Do not look anxiously about you. Why not? Because he says, I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just as we saw the nervousness of the people transmitting itself to Moses, we are not immune to the nervousness of the times we live in. An Australian website says there are lots of reasons why young people might feel stressed about climate change. These reasons include they feel like planning for the future is hopeless. They feel like everything is out of their control. An October 2018 headline proclaimed we have 12 years to limit climate change catastrophe so warned the United Nations. More alarmist still A Rasmussen-Harrison X survey says half of voters under the age of 35 believe it's at least somewhat likely that humanity will be wiped out in the next decade or so. I was quite shocked by that statistic, but that's what people are thinking. Anxiety about what the future holds is real, and for that reason it's something God anticipates being something that will trouble us. He recognises this in giving his vision of the future to the Apostle John in the final Bible book of Revelation. We'll let the Apostle John take up the story from Revelation 4 verse 1. He says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne, and he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and it was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. With these words... John tells us how he looked through the open door into heaven itself and found himself looking at the throne of God. The throne symbolises God's rule and governing authority over creation, while the rainbow around it reminds us of God's faithfulness to his promises from the time of Noah. No doubt the scene John witnesses is spectacular. A throne of jasper and sardius, a glassy sea of crystal, voices like trumpets and flashes of lightning, But the bigger idea of these two chapters, Revelations chapters 4 and 5, is this, that Jesus is central to all the events about to be described from this preview of the end of history. For sure, there will be climate changes, as well as fearful plagues and judgments. But to remove our anxiety, John is given the recurring vision of a God who's in control, emphasised by the repeated description of God as the one who sits on the throne, there's no vacancy there, and that is the best antidote to anxiety for all those who know God. Fear
0: not for he is with me, fear not dismayed. No book till he be guided still through, Do not be afraid when temptation's all
1: begun.
0: Each week I bring the reminder that you might find it helpful to have the transcript book of these talks and it's available to you if you aren't able to follow the usual route of getting a download. Now if you want a download you go to churchesofgod.info forward slash media and then you can print your own copy from a PC if you wish. If you need to request a book, just ask for Going the Distance and write to us by email or by post. And here's our address Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know as well, that if you go to the website I mentioned previously, that's churchesofgod.info forward slash media, you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. So why not have a go and see what you can find to enjoy. So many thanks for the privilege of your company today. Next week, Brian will be considering how to avoid distraction It's something which affects many people, so I hope you'll join me and I look forward to your company. Till then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon and may God richly bless you. to be saying cast on